0: This edition of the Bio Report is brought to you by the California Technology Council, providing discounts on products and services essential to every startup. For more information, visit Californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine and this is the Bio Report. Wall Street doesn't like uncertainty, and there are a number of policy issues now brewing that threaten to create some uncertainty for the biotechnology industry. As the BioInvestor Forum kicks off in San Francisco October 20th and 21st, bringing together investors and CEOs for two days of panels and presentations, the conference will turn its attention to policy issues and the effects they have on valuations within the industry. We spoke to Sara Radcliffe, president and CEO of the California Life Sciences Association, and a policy panelist at the BioInvestor Forum about policy issues the industry faces, the growing controversy over pricing, and what policy matters investors should be watching closely. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. The biotech industry has thrived over the past several years, and I'd argue part of that has to do with the series of successes it's had on the policy front, including the way it emerged from the Affordable Care Act, the Prescription Drug User Fee Act five negotiation that was without controversy, and the passage of the JOBS Act, to, to pick a few highlights, how successful would you say the industry has been on the policy front, and, and what role has that played in its success in recent years?
1: Well, as as the leading voice that drives innovation for California's life sciences sector, CLSA is at the forefront of many of those public policy challenges and opportunities that you just identified. Um, we do work closely with industry, government, academia, and other stakeholders to shape public policy at the federal, state, and local level. Uh ultimately with the goal of growing California's. Uh, world leading life sciences innovation ecosystem. Um, so yes, the, uh, the, the series of successes that you mentioned, I think, have had a very important impact on our industry's success. If you look at the Affordable Care Act, um, the, uh, BPCIA, the biosimilars bill, really provided guidance to FDA on, uh, the appropriate standards for approval of these very important products. Um, comparative effectiveness was another very important part of that legislation, and uh, we can talk more about the continued debate on value uh, of innovation in um, our healthcare economy. I'm um, looking at the Prescription Drug User Fee Act, um, the fourth iteration, which is PDUFA-5, Um, There are really some very important parts of that uh, bill. The breakthrough process, uh, I think, uh, has had a tremendous impact on FDA's ability to improve really cutting-edge products that show early clinical data. Um, The provisions around patient-focused drug development, we're all interested to um, see what the real impact will be on FDA's drug development processes. But for all of us, Uh, Drug development is about the focus on the patient at the end of the day, so it's incredibly important work. If you look at the provisions within Produce 5 um, to encourage stronger communication between uh, companies that are seeking approval of a a novel product and FDA staff, um, I think that they will be really transformative. We'll have to see as As the discussions continue, whether um, the industry and the agency and Congress see the need for additional improvements to that communication process with the goal of timely approval of of, uh, products. Um, and there were tweaks to the accelerated approval process, which has really made HIV products and oncology products much more available, and we we want to see the benefits of that process extended across a wider variety of therapeutic areas. So, all of those things, uh, I think, have been very, very important. Um, looking forward, we have many issues uh, to continue to focus on that are important to us at CLSA and our members. Um Patent litigation legislation, 21st century cures, continued engagement with FDA, um, even outside the PDUFA, uh process to strengthen FDA regulatory processes, um, focusing on biomedical research and education and increasing NIH funding, uh, take-back programs, and many more.
0: Well, let's walk through a few of those. Wall Street certainly mm-hmm. doesn't like uncertainty in their There are a number of policy issues brewing right now that do threaten to create some uncertainty for the industry. The the 21st Century Cures Act, which appeared to be a big victory for the industry, is now stalled in the Senate. How important is that legislation to the industry and, and how big a threat is there that it will die in the Senate?
1: It is very important to us. CLSA continues to work with Congress to advance that important legislation um, because it will advance biomedical research and development. Um, So We were very pleased to see the House approve the 21st Century Cures Act by a strong bipartisan vote of 344 to 77. We think it's a a visionary piece of legislation that will have important uh, effects for our more than 750 uh, life sciences members. Um, ultimately, the goal is to ensure that the U.S. remains the worldwide leader in life sciences research, investment, and innovation. And here in California, um, we're at the at the tip of that uh, of, of that very important work. yes, attention is now on the Senate. We look forward to working with the senators on their ideas and priorities for advancing biomedical research and development. I think uh, we we don't know uh, yet whether the legislation will advance through that chamber, but I can tell you that there are many, many stakeholders um, pressing the Senate to move uh, quickly to get the legislation through the chamber and to the president's desk because the bill will spur scientific discovery and biomedical innovation. It will provide hope for patients and their families. It will help uh, promote job growth and ultimately uh, America's leadership role in healthcare innovation.
0: You, You mentioned NIH funding a moment ago. The 21st Century Cures Act would give a nice boost to that. But what's the prospect for increasing the NIH budget if the 21st Century Cures Act doesn't come for our vote?
1: well we will uh we will continue to work on that it's been a priority of ours for many years um, the incredible engine of discovery that is NIH uh is really the foundation for bringing uh treatments and cures to patients so we do think um that will have success in in uh increasing the NIH NIH budget over time, but the 21st Century Curse Act would be a big step. I think it's important to remember though that beyond NIH funding, um CLSA and other stakeholders are focusing on other avenues to improve uh NIH's contribution to the innovation ecosystem. So that includes things like reducing administrative burdens, um lifting travel restrictions to allow federally funded scientists to be more collaborative, um, improving the ability for researchers to translate their science into a commercially viable product. And so I think there are many parts of the bill um, that will really help NIH and uh, industry partners to work together and will help NIH to be more effective. And we are focusing very much on those parts of 21st century cures as well.
0: The Trans-Pacific Partnership has passed. There's, there's a lot that's not known about the trade pact, but industry lost a battle over the issue of exclusivity, which will be eight years under the pact as opposed to the 12 years the industry enjoys in the United States. How big a concern is this?
1: It is a big concern. Um, you know, the debate over the 12 years of data exclusivity Uh, for biologics was one that took a great deal of time. Um, Stakeholders put a lot of thought into um, what the number of years of data exclusivity should be. Obviously, ultimately, there was a, a strong disagreement about that, but it was essentially the only provision of the Affordable Care Act that received broad and deep bipartisan support, including Uh, leadership from our California delegation, um, Representative Anna Eshoo and the late, uh, Senator Ted Kennedy. So we, of course, strongly advocated maintaining that level of protection in the TPP negotiations, and we are disappointed in the outcome due to the lower exclusivity thresholds uh in other countries regulatory legislative systems um the length of time that an innovative biologic would maintain its patent protection before a biosimilar therapy could be introduced to the marketplace was just a major point of contention throughout the negotiations so um as you said ultimately the agreement that was finalized uh includes a, a hybrid Agreement providing five to eight years exclusivity for innovative uh, biologics. Um, we're pleased the participating countries will be required to provide at least five years of data uh, of data protection for biologics and potentially an additional three under the regulatory framework. Um, we, uh, you know, we are uh, again. We will continue to advocate strongly for the twelve years of data exclusivity reminding everybody that the reason was to ensure that these products uh, continue to come to market and continue to be available for patients.
0: The the process for creating the next incarnation of the Prescription Drug User Fee Act, PIDUFA-6, has begun. The existing legislation which allows the FDA to collect user fees from companies it regulates in exchange for acting on applications for new drug approvals in a timely manner is set to expire in 2017. How well would you say PADUFA has worked?
1: Well, from the beginning, PADUFA has been absolutely instrumental in expediting the drug approval process that makes it possible for patients to have timely access to new, innovative, and potentially life saving therapies. Um, when PADUFA first uh, was Uh, past, there was a backlog of a couple of years of applications, Um, and so uh, obviously we worked through that uh, backlog and now are able to focus on other ways to ensure that FDA has the appropriate resources to efficiently and predictably review and approve innovative therapies and treatments. So um, it is very, very important to us. Um, At CLSA, we've worked with the Boston Consulting Group to uh, dig deeper and really look into how the FDA is doing on drug review and approval times. Um, We have witnessed that review times for certain products like oncology, HIV, AIDS, and rare diseases are consistently much faster than others, um, such as neurovascular, uh, diabetes, and so forth. So we're working to track those variances, and we believe there are lessons to be learned and applied to bring more consistency across the agency. We hope that it is an uh, item that will be considered as part of the um, next PADUFA round. Um, each new iteration of PADUFA MEDUFA and the other products covered under uh, FIDEJA offers an opportunity for stakeholders, the FDA, and Congress to work together to improve. So we really look forward to engaging with the California delegation, national stakeholder groups, and our members as the negotiations begin.
0: Well, I, I think exactly. lawmakers have always looked at it as an opportunity to address a wide range of issues it may have with the industry The Obama administration has pushed to reduce the period of exclusivity on on several occasions. Will this become an issue in Purdue for six?
1: We are monitoring that, but right now um, it's important to note that CLSA looks forward to engaging with the California delegation and national stakeholder groups and our members on these issues as negotiations begin. And as I said, we will continue to remind uh, all stakeholders of the reasons why the period of data exclusivity was uh, was chosen and and uh, and passed by the, the legislature.
0: Well, with the political dynamics of a presidential election year in cases like the Turing Pharmaceutical case, which created outrage in the public over drug pricing, how concerned should the industry be about drug pricing becoming an issue in PDUFA 6 or There being separate legislative
1: action. Well, we think that patients should always be at the forefront of healthcare decisions, and so uh, we saw the the uh, debate around Turing Pharmaceuticals very clear to us, and we have made clear that the conduct of Turing Pharmaceuticals was not representative of. Uh, Our members' commitment to patient care is exemplified by our CLSA membership up and down the state of California. Uh, But while price controls may look appealing on paper, they are bad medicine. They do not put the interests of patients first either. Um, we uh, are advocating and have advocated for a long time that government-imposed price controls can limit access to patient care and can keep life-saving medications out of the hands of those who need them most. A couple of points that we think um, we think that the public and our thought leaders need to to keep in mind. One is the drugs have accounted for only 10% of the healthcare spend uh, for many, many years. Um, that percentage has not changed. Secondly, the life sciences innovation economy is helping to lead the discussion on new financing and delivery models. And so, uh, we we believe very strongly that uh, price is not the issue. Financing is the issue. In order to bring products uh, to the public, um, the return on investment needs to reflect the very great length, cost, risk, and complexity of drug development. And so we need to work together to make sure the incentives for entering on that very complicated process remain strong. Um, Government-mandated price controls would short-circuit that work and would negatively impact R&D and ultimately patients most in need. Um, So we think that if placed in the proper and full context, um, discussion and debate over drug prices is fair and we as an industry are... Uh, willing and eager to be held accountable for the value of our product, but of course the discussion and debate needs to uh, needs to reflect an understanding of what it really takes to make the engine of innovation run. Um, so again, we look forward to engaging with the California delegation and national stakeholder groups and our members as the negotiations begin.
0: One of the successes of the industry is that on the policy front, it has not just been on the defensive, but been pushing the agenda in recent years about such things as capital formation. What do you see on the top of the industry's agenda today?
1: Well, at the very top of our agenda is our uh, value of innovation campaign. We see a growing theme among many stakeholders. Uh, the press, legislator, pay- legislators, payers, et cetera, that medical innovations are, quote, too expensive or of questionable value. We really uh, are going to be taking aggressive steps to inform legislators about the value of medical innovation and to better communicate the value that new medicines and technologies bring to patients in our healthcare system. Um, part of that debate is to... Uh, shed uh, the focus light on what insurance companies can do to improve access to patients. Um, we see that consumers are feeling the squeeze as insurance companies continue to increase out-of-pocket costs through high copays and tiered pricing schemes. Um, and so uh, there are many different stakeholders that play a role in ensuring that patients have access to these important products. Again, it's important to place the discussion about prescription drug costs, which, for example, are only 2% of Medicaid spending, um, and their clinical and economic benefits in the, in the proper context. And we think that insurance companies should uh, not be allowed to get away with undermining access. Um, so that's really uh, one of the probably at the top of our industry's agenda today. As always, we um, continue to just raise awareness of the incredible value that our products will bring to patients and consumers in the future. You'll be participating on a policy panel
0: at the BioInvestor Forum. What kind of attention should investors be paying to policy issues and, and what do you think they should be watching most closely?
1: Well, I certainly hope that investors will be paying great attention to policy issues. Um, I think value of innovation will be at the top of many investors' minds. Again, um, you know, without an appropriate return on uh, products, um, they will not have anything to invest in. So we need to uh, both inform them about the policy debates that are occurring and, and enlist their help in our effort to educate um, opinion leaders and the public, um, again, about what it takes to bring products to patients. Um, I think the patent litigation legislation will uh, be very important without strong intellectual property protection for particularly our emerging companies where uh, intellectual property is what they have to sell in order to get the resources that they need to um, continue with their work uh, you know with if that patent litigation uh, legislation goes awry it will have a very really significant effect on um, the availability of, uh, of new work for our investors to invest in. Um, we've talked about 21st century cures. We've talked about um, biomedical research and education and increasing NIH funding. Again, filling up the, uh, the front of the funnel so that we all have um, uh, new drug discovery development uh, projects to to take through to the market. Um, and I think there's a couple of other um, policy issues that will um, be of interest for particular segments of the industry. Uh, medical device tax repeal is very important to us and obviously will um uh, have a, a very significant effect on the device sector if we, if we don't get that uh, really burdensome tax repealed. Um, if you look at take-back uh, programs, that does affect a number of uh, the companies and places a burden on their ability to um, direct resources to research and development. So, bottom line, um, we welcome the opportunity to speak with investors about these important policy issues and also to engage them in public debate to help uh, foster innovation going forward.
0: Sarah Radcliffe, President and CEO of the California Life Sciences Association. Sarah, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Uh, You can hear Sarah on the Policy Outlook Panel at the BioInvestor Forum Tuesday, October 20th at 2 p.m. in San Francisco. For BioReport listeners in the Bay Area, I wanted to extend an invitation to join me November 2nd at 5.30 p.m. at Byers Auditorium at UCSF's Mission Bay Campus for a discussion about the legacy of the Orphan Drug Act and what it's achieved. I'll be moderating a panel with Robert Baffy of BioMarin, Kay Holcomb of Bio, and Emil Kakis of Ultragenics. The event is organized by the Life Sciences Foundation. To register... Go to odalegacy.eventbrite.com. That's odalegacy.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast managers.